0: Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name is Nate Davison and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. And thank you for listening in on this episode, a special episode of Grace Story Conference 2020 Highlights. If you weren't able to join us for the conference, we understand we missed you, but we will be hoping to see you next year. Registration is already open for next year, so you can go on to Ministries.com and go ahead and get your admission uh, squared away and your spot secured for Grace Story Conference 2021. Uh, But today, for this episode of Grace Story Podcast, we have two sessions of the speakers. Um, We have Jamie Taylor, just a portion of her session, And then Ryan Waters, uh, he's in our queue as well to share a little bit of his session. So without further ado, let's jump right into Jamie Taylor's session from Gray Story Conference 2020.
1: So I have a concept for you to wrestle with as we get started on this weekend. What if bravery looks different than we have always thought? We all have a version of bravery that we look to, don't we? When I was younger, I imagined bravery um, as the images of firefighters and soldiers and police officers. And I thought of frontline doctors who braved the unknown of like, things like epidemics and war zones. That's what I thought of bravery. I imagined like news reporters you know, who are facing challenges unlike any I'd ever seen in order to report the story from the front lines. That's what I thought of as bravery. And those could certainly be what we think of as bravery, and it's not wrong to think of those things as brave. But I don't think they give us a full picture of what bravery is. I happen to know that some of you aren't feeling very brave right now. Some of you are so scared, it's hard for you to stay in your seat, and you aren't alone everybody say that out loud? I'm not alone. Now look to your right or your left and say, you're not alone. Good job. I think the concept of bravery has been hijacked by the world's definition of it. For many of us, facing the dysfunction in ourselves or our surroundings doesn't feel courageous, does it? Full disclosure, I remember the first time I stepped foot into a counselor's office. I certainly wasn't feeling brave, but I was. I remember the first time I was vulnerable and said exactly what was going through my mind. Thoughts I had never uttered to anyone except God himself. And I didn't think of that as brave but it was. I recall the moments that I relived trauma from my younger years, and I I shook with anxiety as I felt every emotion and fear. Some of you may have heard um, Grace Story talk about EMDR therapy. I did that to process a terrifying memory from when I was young, and I, I won't lie to you. It was horrible as I cried inwardly and outwardly, I didn't feel brave, but I most certainly was. I'm still in the process of showing up for my healing. I still see a counselor regularly, and I have to continue to be brave. Confronting issues I would rather not talk about. It'd be a whole lot easier to just leave that inside. I don't want to bring that stuff out. We don't often talk about the hard work it takes to find healing and hope in the middle of emotional trauma. Maybe you've been encouraged to buck up, to stand tall, don't sweat the small stuff. Maybe ignore the emotions you've been experiencing. You could keep doing that, you could. If you want to push everything aside and forget about facing the fear that's actually holding you back you could do that but i'm guessing you are here and those of you that are watching you're watching because you don't want to do that anymore maybe you're a little bit curious when issues are ignored or glossed over yeah we might be able to delay the inevitable but the issues will come out in some way i know they did for me as a child I didn't realize that, you know, issue after issue was piling up, and those layers of dysfunction and trauma didn't really make themselves plain to me until I was about 23 years old. I'd just given birth to my first child, and I was going through some major life transitions, and suddenly found myself suffering with the most debilitating anxiety and depression. But I wouldn't share it with anybody. I acted like everything was normal, And I lied to everyone, including myself. Lying to myself and others wasn't brave. Now, it was all I could do in that moment because I wasn't strong enough to face it. And that may be where some of you are, and I completely understand that. But bucking up isn't brave. Bucking up and saying, oh, I'm just going to plow through, this is actually the harder, longer road. It's the road full of misunderstandings and impatient parenting, might I say. Bucking up looked like holding it together in public and then racing home with a racing heart and collapsing in sheer exhaustion. Bucking up looked like anger, frustration, and hurt as I tried to navigate my new world of troubled emotions. I'd always felt emotions very deeply, but this was different. This was uncontrollable no matter how much I prayed, read my Bible, went to church, and yes, I was the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every time the church doors were open, you would think I'd be a saint. My desire for healing was inextricably linked to my desire to be a good Christian woman. And because I couldn't find healing, I figured I must not be a good enough person. Anybody? Has anybody been down that road? Ever been down that rabbit hole of thinking? It hurts, doesn't it? Simply praying and reading my Bible wasn't magically changing my emotional outbursts. Pushing those feelings down wasn't working. Pretending I was fine wasn't bravery. It was denial. So here we are. Here we all are. We've shown up at a conference to talk about our feelings. (laughs) We're going to hear a lot about why and how we might be where we are and how we can find the help we need. And this is such a beautiful, beautiful moment. Do you realize how holy and sacred this moment is? Just let it sink in. This is beautiful. Thank you, Amber, for bringing us here. Thank you or thank you, God, for putting this on her heart. This is holy work. And I'm here to talk to you today about how I believe each of us can get further along on our journey to restoration and wholeness. Are you a note-taker? Anybody know, any note-takers out there? Okay. Try to follow me. I'm a little bit of a squirrel. <laughs> I'm a creative. But I do have three, three truths, okay, for you today. One, we got to live like we're already free. Two, we have to give ourselves permission to heal. And I will be repeating these. Three, we need to begin or continue on the journey of transformation. Live like we're already free. Give ourselves permission to heal and begin or continue on the journey of transformation. How do you live like you're already free? So I'm a Christ follower. I have loved God for literally as long as I can remember. But there was a moment when I was about five years old when I walked forward at a camp meeting in a hot South Dakota summer, and I asked Jesus to be my savior. I can't ever forget that moment. What a beautiful moment, that faith of a child. It was the day I made my intentions known that I was going to live as a follower of Jesus. Why did I want to align myself with Jesus, you might ask. Well, I already loved him. I already had a desire, right? And I wanted my heart to be like his. But if I'm honest, there was another reason. I feared him. This was not a healthy fear. It was an emotion based in the belief that if I didn't do exactly, everything exactly like others told me Jesus wanted me to do, I would be cast into hell to burn for all eternity. I believed this with all my heart. I remember many nights Praying myself to sleep as a seven, eight, nine, ten year old child. A child. Convinced that if I didn't repent for everything I might have done wrong or even had thought about maybe doing something wrong, I might die in my sleep and end up in torment rather than heavenly bliss. Every night, you guys. You wanna talk about trauma? Don't tell me that's not trauma. For some of you, this kind of daily ritual sounds tragic and foreign, and by the way, it should. But for others of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your pulse is racing right now, your stomach is turning, and you want to walk out of this room right now. You are facing the same fear, some of you every single night. Lean in. I'm here with you. I have been where you are. I know this pain and anguish is real. Would you close your eyes for just a minute? Close your eyes, whisper to Jesus. Tell him you wanna learn, you wanna have your eyes opened to the truth. Holy Spirit, work in this moment. I want you to hear something as your eyes are closed. If you are a Christ follower, you are already free. You are free. Let it sink in. Thank you, Father. You can open your eyes. When you align yourselves with the ways of Jesus, then you invite him to create a new mind and a new heart within you, and you are free. The work is already done. The striving is over. He in you is enough. All you will ever need. I wish I could go back to that. (laughs) My sweet little self and have a little chat about freedom. I can. I've learned that through counseling. Not to make it weird, but perhaps me and little Jamie might sit down and enjoy a few M&Ms together. Because that was one of my favorite candies. And I'd ask her about all the things she was loving right then. I'd check in and see how she was doing after her family had moved to Africa at the age of seven. I'd chat with her about her big fears, her big emotions. And then I'd ask her about Jesus. I'd ask her to tell me about this God who she loved and adored and feared. And when she started opening up and talking to me about how afraid she was, how she felt like she couldn't do anything right, how she felt like a miserable sinner every single day, I would take her into a nice, warm, comforting hug, and I would just hold her, and I would say, God loves you so much, Jamie. Jamie, he died, so you didn't have to take on the identity of sinner. You are not a sinner, When you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has already forgiven you. He has already changed you from the inside out. You are already a new creation. Now guess what? You just need to live as you already are because you're already free. I would quote verses to her, that little Jamie, such as John 8:36, which says, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I would remind her that she was set free the moment she asked Jesus to make her new. I would tell her about how Abraham believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Not that he acted righteous, so his belief was counted. I would remind her that she already has everything she needs in Christ, that he has given her everything she needs to love and serve him. I would tell that seven-year-old version of myself, and I will still tell my 37-year-old version of myself. And yes, I just gave away my age. I still have to focus on the truth daily and weekly because guess what? I live in a human body with human problems and human emotions. When I'm tempted to spiral down the holes of fear and shame and guilt, I remind myself that who the sun sets free is free indeed, even on the days I don't feel like it. I am free. Can I just tell you something right now? There is no other version of Christianity than that one. This entire book is about freedom from bondage. That's the story. Christ will always be enough. Always, even when we are not enough. And if you've been hearing the lie that you have to earn your salvation, let's kick that lie right out of the building, right now. In Jesus' name. You have to get that settled first. None of what you will ever do for the kingdom of God is what will save you. None of of what you do will ensure you get the perfect mansion in heaven. It's just not going to work that way. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Heard that verse before. Nothing but Christ alone. The only way any of us get the tremendous privilege of a relationship with God is through accepting His free gift of salvation. Let your bondage go. Let your need to please God go. You won't be free until you do. There isn't anything you can do to make him love you. He can't help but love you because he is love. That is literally who he is. And I'm telling you from experience until you have this concept that literally, listen to me, there is nothing, not one tiny, tiny little thing you can do to make him love you more. Not one. Not one. Number two, give yourselves permission to heal. This is a big one, ladies. Maybe you're sitting there thinking this thought, or maybe one similar. Yeah, so scary stuff happens to us, we're humans. We should expect it. Life is hard, probably makes us stronger. I mean, didn't Jesus himself say that there would be trouble in this world? But take heart, I've overcome the world. Yeah, he did say that. So why do we even need to talk about this? Why do we think we need healing from some of this stuff? First of all, I get it. I get that line of thinking because I used to think the same thing. And perhaps not everyone is ready to embark on the deep dive into their emotions. I get it, it's scary, it's a little murky. It's okay, no one's going to force anyone to do something you're not ready for. But I'm gonna tell you from my personal experience, I had to get to the point where I I had to understand um, the reasons behind my behaviors. I had to understand why certain situations brought out the deepest feelings in me. I had to grasp those hidden triggers that took my breath away and rendered me helpless. I had to understand that. Even right now, talking to you about this in this moment, guess what? I'm feeling those butterflies. And there's a reason I still am triggered today. There's a reason. It's not just, I mean, you're, you're not threatening me. You're a bunch of beautiful women. I feel totally safe here. But this experience right now is triggering things in me. Right now as I'm speaking to you. Isn't that crazy? So I'm getting a chance to heal right now. So I'm saying, Holy Spirit, what's that about? Show me. Show me what isn't, what's going on. I had to get to the point that, you know, I had to understand these triggers. Um, For me, I couldn't get on stage without feeling like I was going to die, literally, like full-on death experience. And that was actually a little weird because I had grown up being on stage after stage. I was a pastor's kid, a missionary's kid. I mean, I literally grew up on a stage just like one of these. So why all of a sudden couldn't I do it without a gigantic panic attack? This was in my late 20s, early, early 20s, late 20s. And so when I started, when I walked into counseling and started that process, I started to uncover the layers underneath the emotion. And guess what I found? I found a scared little girl curled up in the middle of a bed in the middle of the night. That little girl had just lived through an armed robbery. That little girl had had to run through the African bush without any shoes on, and that pain in her feet was nothing compared to the terror she felt, realizing that men had taken her dad hostage. That little girl had never healed from that terrorizing experience. She'd just gone on with her life. After her dad had been returned, after the moment had passed, but the trauma had been done, and every trauma before and after that only made the process of healing more complex. The reactions I was having were only a small symptom of a much larger problem. And I realize that not everyone is ready to dive into why they react the way they do. We have to give people the permission to be on their own journey, okay? But those of you who know you need healing, you've tried reading your Bible and praying every day, you've fasted and you've prayed for healing, you've begged God to deliver you from this thorn, and it still remains. I welcome you to the place of vulnerability right now with me. I welcome you to the space where you can pull up a chair and let's chat. This is what I would say to you. First, I might offer you some coffee or tea and some of my famous brownies because chocolate is going to make everything better. I wish I had some right now. <laughs> and this is what I would say. I would say, "Why are you afraid to dive into this process of healing?" Ladies, what's holding you back? Let's talk candidly for a minute. Is it finances? I get it. I remember that same feeling. I really do. And I remember when God provided the money miraculously as I dived into counseling going every week and then every other week and then once a month and and the funds showed up. Maybe it isn't finances for you. Maybe it's fear. Are you just not sure what it looks like? I get it. I remember the same feeling and I remember how God showed up in every single session guiding my counselor and I into the places in my brain that needed serious healing. My counselor, the Holy Spirit and I present in that room and we made serious progress. Let me tell you, don't let the fear hold you back from what God wants to do in your life and in your mind and in your heart. Is it resistance to the idea of therapy? Have you been told that therapy is new age, dangerous? Have you been taught that self-help ideas are wrong and against the Bible? I get it. I remember those same thoughts coming to my mind because of the things I heard all my life about those people who have to go to counseling and how those people need to be careful because they're gonna veer away from what the Bible says. Ain't nobody got time for that. It's a lie. Are there some weird new age, creepy stuff out there? Of course. Of course. But there's so much more. The truth is, we are complex creations of a loving creator. We weren't made for this fallen world. He had another plan. He had a beautiful plan that was interrupted by sin and destruction so our bodies don't work like he had intended. And we need help. We need to heal. I believe you are attending this conference whether online or in person because it's time for you to either begin or continue your journey of transformation. So for some of you, it's time to begin your journey of transformation. That's my third truth.
0: And Jamie goes on to share so much more uh, as she finishes that third third point of hers and then closes. Uh, she also shared more in the Grace Story Live side session that we had afterwards. If you were watching in, that was uh, fun to be able to dig a little bit deeper with some questions from the audience. Uh, so much more there. So if you if you want more like this uh, and, and you want to go ahead and get your uh, conference attendance uh, secured for next year, uh, just go to Ministries.com and you can go ahead and get that squared away so you're ready to go to Grace Story Conference uh, 2021. Um, But we're not done today for this episode. Next, we have Ryan Waters. He's our content strategy director here at Grace Story Ministries, and he was uh, able to speak with us in a session at Grace Story Conference 2020 about boundaries and uh, self-care from a Christian worldview. So let's go to that session right now.
2: So if I were to give a title to this lecture, talk, session, it would be boundaries. Who needs them? And the answer is all of us. So a quick definition. Simply put, a boundary is a limit or space between you and the other person. A clear place where you begin and the other person ends. Think of it as a fence in your backyard and you are the gatekeeper. And you get to decide who you let in and who you keep out. And you get to decide how far in they get as well. So, We'll return to that definition a little bit later, but let me lay some other groundwork. How do I know if my boundaries are unhealthy? Which is a fair question. And let me read through a few symptoms and a little caveat, just because these symptoms may be present in your life isn't a one-to-one ratio, well, I clearly have bad boundaries. I'm saying it's a symptom that I would be curious about and look into more deeply. Dealing with excessive worrying or anxiety Because that often happens when we're trying to control something that's beyond us outside of our control when you have anger that pops up in really weird places like huh why did that trigger me so badly what was that about Uh, another one i see commonly is when you become very angry when people place uh, ask you to do things or place expectations there may be some boundary issues there that need explored when you live a disorganized or chaotic lifestyle. When you deal with a lot of resentments, especially around commitments, depression, procrastination, which is really an emotion regulation tool, something that's very uncomfortable. So we procrastinate, we push it off so that we don't have to deal with it, which there's some boundary issues there. Feelings of isolation, feeling defeated, living overwhelmed dealing with excessive amounts of guilt or shame feeling trapped stuck hopeless it shows up in our bodies too it shows up in physical symptoms like high blood pressure headaches ulcers hypertension you name it so let me hit pause here again if you're experiencing these and you're recognizing like oh boy I got some work to do. Know that you're not hopeless. The situation is not hopeless. It means there's opportunity. As we've talked about so many times, healing is a choice. And when it comes into your awareness, then you have a choice to know what to do with it. So, the bottom line of all this is when you feel like you just can't make it. And two factors contribute to that feeling or belief that we just can't, we may not, we will not find the strength to endure. And those two things are either a lack of self-care, which I'll hit on in just a second, or a lack of healthy boundaries. So let me hit on self-care, because that's often misunderstood, especially in Christian circles. It's often confused with self-help or selfish, and it's something very different. And I think understood appropriately It is well within the boundaries of Scripture, and I would say it is an imperative to live a life fully alive to God. So some of the material I'm drawing from today is by a lady named Haley Mullins, and she's done a fantastic job of kind of pointing out what some of the reasoning is behind self-care. Ultimately, it comes down to a stewardship issue, and stewardship is an act of worship. Romans 12, one says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as what? A living sacrifice, which is your reasonable act of service. Or as some translations say, which is your spiritual worship. So self-care is never a selfish act. It is only good stewardship of the only gift I have, which is the gift that God has put me on earth to offer to others. As humans, we are finite, second. And so many times I have folks come into my office who are living far overextended. I had someone come in my office, uh, a lady who worked in a very intense field who worked over 100 hours per week to try and keep up. And as you can imagine, was burning out. You can't keep up that level of intensity. And when we try and push beyond that, push beyond what our human limitations are, we then start to move out of the human and into attempting the divine, which never works out well. We have to recognize the finite versus the infinite. Uh, Life involves seasons, and I understand that. Sometimes you got a bunch of young kids at home and life is crazy and it's really hard, and I understand that. First Kings 19 tells the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal. And here he is, he's up here in the mountain, So think out in the elements, probably not a lot to eat or drink. He's going 90 miles an hour. He's exhausted. And at the end of that, what does he do? He completely crashes. He literally goes and hides in a cave and God has to bring him food, water, and everything he needs for a significant period of time. Are there some seasons where it's just, whew, you got to kind of buckle down, pray for extra grace and get going? Yes, but they're seasons. They're not ways of life. And please, please, never confuse those two. And understand that when you are in those seasons, you have a right to, as Elijah did, that downtime, that time of recuperation. God's gifts are to be enjoyed with gratitude, not idolized or abused. Is it possible for someone to abuse self-care? Maybe if you want to say that they kind of turned it into a grasping, greedy sense of, please just give me all the pleasures, but I'm not sure that's actually self-care. That sounds something very different from from self-care. Self-care rejuvenates, and it allows us to be the people God created us to be. It allows us to move even more closely into the image of Christ. And when we choose to just gratefully accept this rest, this rejuvenation, this time of restoration, we enter into something beautiful, self-care. The goal of self-care is seeking God. Ultimately, it opens us up to be, not just time with him, but to be more like him. And one of my favorites, look at the life of Jesus. Jesus didn't burn out. So I know this is more of a generation before me, but I've heard stories and heard some inklings of that burnout was always considered a badge of honor especially in ministry circles. And I just don't think that's true. That's certainly not what I see in Scripture. What I do see in Scripture is intentional living, absolutely. Jesus was very intentional in the three years of his ministry, but there were times that he set aside for very deep, restorative, playful, going-to-parties behavior. That's the kind of life we're intended to live. So, boundaries, what exactly are they? Let's, let's get down into the nuts and bolts of this. And please, let me throw out this caveat. When I'm going through this, or even if you're feeling it already, you may feel like, oh, boundaries, just one more thing I have to get right. That is not the point of this. The point of this is to truly be a breath of fresh air because, oh, okay. So what I've been doing hasn't been working and it hasn't worked for anybody else either. Let me figure out how to do it right so that I can truly be the person God called me to be, that I can be fully alive, not always running and ragged and exhausted. I can be his, and that's enough. So three steps we're gonna be working through. Know, name, and maintain. Know, name, and maintain. And in the note piece, we're gonna get a little bit about, as I said, the nuts and bolts of what boundaries really are. Let me read that definition for you again I threw out at the beginning. Simply put, a boundary is a limit or space between you and the other person. A clear place where you begin and the other person ends. Think of it as a fence in your backyard, you're the gatekeeper, you get to choose who comes in, how far they come in, and when they have to leave. Boundaries are fences that have at least three purposes. They protect to keep people from coming into our space. They contain to keep us from going across into other people's spaces. Have you been around people who are boundaryless? They don't know where they stop, and they tend to push a little too far into your space, either physically or emotionally? Yeah. So you have the protective boundary, the containment boundary, and then they also identify. They help us know who we are. They help us to embody who we are. So what is the the positive effects of healthy boundaries? Uh, They establish where I begin and end. They allow us to know and take responsibility, which is a big one for our own thoughts, feelings and behavior. Boundaries create healthier intimacy with self and others and increase self-respect. So let me, this is not in my notes here, so this is a little scary. Let me dig a little bit into why I think or where boundaries come from. And ultimately, this is grounded in how I make sense of the great reality, which is truth, from God's perspective. You have the Trinity. You have perfect harmony and unity But there's distinction. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Those aren't all intertwined in some enmeshed, confusing pattern. The church hammered this out literally a thousand years ago, and it has been something that's been foundational to Christendom ever since. There's distinction within the Godhead. And when we confuse that and our attempts on a human level, it just doesn't work. I think ultimately because it doesn't reflect The structure of the godhead so let's take one step back in order to understand boundaries in order for them to be functional you kind of have to know what it is that you're protecting in the first place which is a sense of self and i i definitely keep haven't kept track but i really couldn't of how many times i've heard folks say i really have no idea who i am I've lived my entire life kind of on autopilot, and I really don't know what's under the surface. I don't know what I really think, what I really value, and that's scarily easy to do. And so I wanna drill down here for just a second into what I really mean when I'm talking about you have to define who you are, a sense of self. You have to know what to protect. So this really comes down to your reality, your sense of reality. So when I'm I'm saying your reality, I'm talking about four things in particular. Your feelings and emotions, which are God-given. I have heard it argued that emotions are almost a result of the fall, there's something evil, and that's just not true. When you look in scripture, you routinely see a God full of emotion, full of compassion, full of anger, full of jealousy, full of protection, full of love, and when we embody that ourselves we're just reflecting imagio dei being created in the image of that god second our thoughts beliefs and values so we just came through election season and a lot of people wanted to tell you exactly what to think believe or or value and they don't have that right you can remain open to them to their influence if you desire But ultimately, the decision about your thoughts, beliefs, and values lies in your hands, your court. Third, behaviors, what you do and don't do. Ever had people trying to force you to do things you don't want to do, or you didn't feel comfortable doing, or push past ethical boundaries? They don't have that right. As vehement and persuasive as they may be, that's your reality. And finally, your body. What helps you to thrive as a human being? What helps fuel your body in the best way possible? And Dr. Padden yesterday did a fantastic job of breaking that down. But when I'm talking about defining your reality, I'm talking about those four things, feelings, emotions, thoughts, beliefs, values, your behaviors, and your body. You have to understand who you are in those four arenas in order to really be successful in setting long-term boundaries that are healthy and appropriate. So, I mentioned this briefly, but let me dig this down a little bit deeper. When I'm also talking about reality, I'm talking about you can call it your little r reality, which is my attempt to understand the great reality. Truth as God sees it, as informed by scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through me to me. So, when I'm talking about my reality, it's my best attempt to understand who God is and who he's called me to be during this time on his earth. So, a few other things. I am responsible for my own reality. I uh, worked in... uh, Well, I was going to use a job example, but maybe I'll use my kids, Uh, because grace is is forced even as two, and sometimes they don't want to take responsibility for their own reality. Sometimes they would rather push it off on someone else. Well, this person said to do this, or I really wanted that. And the reality of it is, no pun intended, we're responsible for what we think, feel, what we choose to do with our bodies, our behaviors. So I'm responsible for my own reality. I am not responsible for your reality. Because that moves into a codependent field. When I start taking responsibility for the way you think, when I start taking responsibility for the way you feel, when I take responsibility for the way you behave and the choices you make, what you do with your body, then I move beyond my finite humanness and try and attempt to move into divinity. And again, that does not work well. Trust me, we've all tried it many times. I think we can all agree it doesn't work well when we try and move outside those boundaries. I am, not, I am accountable to you for the effects of my reality, not for you. In other words, the things I believe to be true have an effect on the world around me. If I believe that I have a right to whatever is in your purse or pocketbook today, and I start coming down and rifling through your purse or pocketbook, I think you're gonna let me know very quickly that that is not appropriate. That is not, uh, that is not a, uh, that doesn't fit within your reality for sure. And I'm accountable to you for what I believe. But I can't make that decision for you. Uh, I do not have the right to tell you what your reality is. I think ultimately, and this is back to some of the theology, I operate a little bit more synergistic. In other words, I believe that our will operates in harmony with God's will. And so I believe that God ultimately, the way he designed the universe, has chosen to allow us to walk in fellowship with him. And so he has called us into that and waits for our response to that. And then I can choose who I make my reality known to and to what degree. In other words, I don't have to tell everyone exactly what I think, feel, believe to be true. I can choose who I let in that gate and how far I let them in. So that's what I'm meaning when I'm saying understand who you are.
0: Wow, just jam-packed full of content. And and Ryan continues to unpack a lot of the concepts um, that help us understand what boundaries are uh, within a Christian worldview. If you don't want to miss out on on the content of this level next year at Grace Story Conference 2021, you can head on over to GrayStoryMinistries.com and go ahead and register for next year and go ahead and get your spot uh, for the conference next year. If you have feedback or something you want to hear on the show, a guest you want to hear, you can email me at Nate at GraceStoryMinistries.com. I'd love to hear from you, or you can get with us on Instagram at one of our accounts, Ministries or Podcast. Well, that's all we have for this episode of Podcast. Uh, We'll have another one for you in two weeks, a special one, I'm sure. Uh, You won't wanna miss it, so we hope you'll tune back in in two weeks. Go ahead and tell a friend about this episode if you were at conference and you wanna share a little bit with them about what conference was like. Uh, Other than that, we'll see you in two weeks for more from Gray Story Podcast.